Would you pray with me as we enter into the Word? Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you are always working. You work through the good times. You work through the shadowlands. You work when our lives seem productive and sunny. And you're working when they seem uh, even dark and unproductive. You work through all seasons. We thank you, Jesus, for your love, for your presence. I ask now, Lord, as we open up your word, as we learn, that my words would be clear, they would be helpful, they would be true, and above all, that they would bring you glory and honor. Holy Spirit, be our teacher this morning. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. What well, is good to be together. Great to have the kids with us this morning. And uh, here's what we're going to do this morning to start off. We're going to do a little bit of a review. We're finishing up our series called Made to Flourish, and we're looking at some different systems. And I would invite the kids and I would invite the adults to do this. Take out your note sheet. Kids, you got a little packet, and there's a blank sheet. And I'm going to invite you to draw a picture. Oh, good night. We're in church. I got to participate and do something. You've already raised your hands. We, we've, we've worshiped with all of our bodies here this morning. And uh, what I, one of the things I love about the Bible is it doesn't just give us abstract truths. It gives us word pictures to remember. It gives us pictures that we can actually remember. And I want to invite you this morning, kids and adults too, we're going to review our series and we're going to look at some different parts of this tree that we've been working on. We started in Psalm 1 way back and we said uh, that we are made to flourish. The psalmist says the person who delights in the law of the Lord, the person who meditates on his word is like a tree planted by streams of living water. So we're going to give you a little picture this morning of a tree. Oh, we're working. This is great. Okay. Because here's the deal, when we participate, when we have a picture in our mind, it helps us remember. So we're going to draw this tree together, and we started with uh, the root system. So let's draw our roots here. And in the spirit of Bob Ross, there are no mistakes, right? Only happy accidents in anything that we draw. So we have this root system that they're working with. Now, we talked about roots at the beginning. This is what we said about roots. We have roots of connection, that this was the key word, that we have a connection system. We are connected to God, and we are connected to each other. We went back and we looked at 
Psalm 139, which gives us this beautiful picture that God knows us fully and he loves us. Both of those are true. We looked at 1 John 4 and we talked about perfect love that drives out fear. But we talked about this connection system with with God and with others. And as we saw with Mike and Evan, an illustration of 1 Peter 4.10, that God works through people, that we are his, in some ways, his grace distribution system, that we distribute God's grace in its various forms to one another. So kind of the question for you this morning in this part is, what are your attachments? What do they look like? What, what does that root system look like for you? And then we worked our way up the tree, and we have a trunk. And we have the branches. And we said that that trunk, the key word here is structure. Structure. This is what gives your life structure. When the storms come, this is what it gives you. Because it's your belief system. It's your practices. We looked at 2 Timothy 3 about how all Scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful. And it's useful in a couple ways. All right, it's useful for both your belief system, your doctrine, teaching and rebuking. It says all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking or correcting your beliefs. So we have a structure, we have something to base our lives on, and it's correcting and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what we're talking about here is both what I believe that orders my life, gives me structure, but also the practices that I'm engaged in, both my behavior and then my spiritual practices, my disciplines. Are we back on here? No mistakes. Happy accidents. So let's continue to think about that structure of belief. Again, this is the core of what we believe about Jesus, the core of what we believe about the Bible. And it really matters. In your heart of hearts, what do you actually believe? And how are you continuing to work on that? So I'll continue to draw. So that trunk will extend to branches. But then we have this other system. We have leaves. And what happens in leaves? Growth occurs. Photosynthesis occurs. 
metabolism occurs. And this, I believe, is one of the most neglected parts of our systems of flourishing. How do we metabolize pain, hard things? What do we do with our sin? What do we do with the hard things of life? What does that actually look like? And we looked at a couple different passages there. We, we talked about in, in James 5 about how we are to confess our sins one to another, and somehow that brings healing to us. And we looked at a passage in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. So when you think about your systems, do you have this system of metabolism where you actually know what to do with the hard things of life? I believe that's absolutely critical for every one of us. Now, last week, we began to look at the fruit. Is that showing up red? Beautiful. High tech here. The fruit. What is fruit? Last week, we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. So we said that fruit is a couple things. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's who you are. It is who God is transforming you into being. It is the love. It is the joy. It is the peace, the patience, those characteristics that are like Jesus that God is transforming us into. So fruit is who you are. And, as we're going to talk about today, it's what you do with who you are. It's what you do with who you are. And I'll just read this to you. You don't have to see it on the screen. But Jesus said in Luke 6, 43, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit, people do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. So the fruit you produce defines who you are, and who you are defines the actual fruit that you produce. So this morning, we're going to take a careful look at what is the fruit that we are producing in our lives. And I want to take you to this, this passage from the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And as we think about what it is that God is calling us to do, who is he calling us to be? How is he calling us to have influence? I'll take you to these words in Matthew 28 that really defines our mission. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, 
but some doubted. Some were in the shadow lands. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, do you all have your tree drawn? You've got some picture of a tree. I want you to remember that. I want you to think about those different systems, systems of connection, systems of structure in your belief, systems of how you metabolize the hard things of life. But now, what is it that you and I and we as a church are actually called to produce? Jesus is clear. He said we are to make disciples. And I want to give you another picture. This morning, I want to give you a picture of another kind of tree. And that's a tree of spiritual influence. So this is you. (laughs) Not to scale. This is you. Who has been a spiritual influence on you? And who are you influencing? When we look at the New Testament and we see this great commission that Jesus has given to us. And then we look at the life of somebody like Timothy. Okay? I love looking at the example of Timothy. Because Timothy had these different spiritual influences on him. He had his grandmother, he had his mother. Paul will say this at the beginning of 2 Timothy, he had had Lois, he had Eunice, and he had Paul. So there's both his family and the church. As I look at all these kiddos here, okay, they're all paying perfect attention, and I love it, and I'm so glad that they're here. If your kiddo's in here, I want you to look around, and I want you to know this. We love you, we see you, and we care about you. Amen? We're not just tolerating you. We're praying for you, and we want to see you flourish. We want to see you become who God has created you to be. And we want to encourage you in that however we can. Now, when we look at the tree of spiritual influence and we look at Timothy, Timothy would go on and he would make lots of other disciples. He would lead the church. He would be one of the leaders at the church of Ephesus. And he would make disciples who would make disciples and the whole thing would just go perfectly, right? Great things happened But it wasn't perfect. We know from the book of Revelation as John would be inspired by the Holy Spirit to to write these letters to the different churches. 
that the critique of the church of Ephesus was that they had lost their first love. Part of what I want you to see is the realism of the Bible and the hope that is there. Because that's real life. That's real life. Now, Timothy will make disciples and they'll pass this thing on. And I think of some of our impact partners. I think about a guy named Matt Casey at IU who helps run campus outreach. I had the blessing of helping him when he was in college. He had the blessing of helping my son in college while he was at IU. If you're a parent right now, there will be times when your kids will need somebody in addition to you to help be a spiritual influence in them. Amen? Some of you I know are praying for that. You are begging for that. Said, oh, just somebody. Would they, would they give them a picture of Jesus that maybe I haven't been able to give them? Some of you this morning, you may be that person. As I look out and I, I, I see some of our high school age kids, I see some of them that are entering the workforce, entering college. I'm so thankful that there are men and women who love Jesus that can encourage them and inspire them. We need each other because the reality of these lines in the tree is sometimes they get broken, sometimes they have to be regrown, sometimes we need more lines of connection. I think of Pastor Telly in Brazil. Used to be an intern at this church eons ago. Wonderful ministry in Brazil, pouring into people like Pastor Ricardo and others who are planting churches and making new disciples, and this whole thing is growing. I think in my own life, um, where are my IU and Purdue people this morning? Did you, some of you, oh, some of you are grinning. Did you watch the game yesterday? Some of you did. Rough loss for the Hoosiers. In my discipleship tree, when I look at the influences on my life, I think of my parents, I think of grandparents, yes, yes, and, and I, think of, I think of pastors. I went to a wedding yesterday and, and saw one of my old youth pastors. Great to see him a little bit, and I'm thankful for that. But there's also a guy named Tom Allen, who's the head coach at IU, at least as far as I know he still is. Oh, he's not? Okay. Wow. Real-time news. Thanks for the update. Makes the connection even better. Because here's the deal. When I was a young teacher, he came to Ben Davis, where I was teaching, and, and we, we started FCA up again at that public high school with lots of kids. And he challenged me in my faith. He, just by his example. And here's the thing I love about Tom. He loves Jesus whether his team is one or it hadn't. He's 
texted with him this morning, said, brother, I'm praying for you. I love you. He says, thank you. Didn't hear the news yet. But here's, here's, here's my, my, one of my favorite stories. The COVID year when they were like super successful, he won all these coach of the year honors. But because of COVID, he didn't get to speak at all the banquets. He had to speak the following year when I think they won two games. But he said the impact of that was so much greater because his connection to Jesus, his true love for Jesus was not dependent upon what the rest of the world says, which is your wins and your losses. And he said that was a great impact. So I celebrate my brother in Christ even as he loses his job this morning because I know God has greater things for him. And he may have a few dollars to do something with too. So we'll see what the Lord does in his life. But I want to give you some more keys to consider as we think about your tree of spiritual impact what the Lord has called you to do. So I want to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we've talked about this mission of making disciples, of having spiritual influence. However old you are, you can have spiritual influence. Lightning didn't strike last week when I referenced an ACDC song in the message. I saw my high school buddy last night at a wedding. We used to drive around singing that song together. I'm a pastor and he loves Jesus and is a leader in his church. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Some of you have that story too. But as we think about what is it that motivates us to be able to share our faith and have influence, I want to take you to 2 Corinthians 5. And Paul's going to do this. He's going to say, look, I'm going to give you the big picture here. He says, right now, even if your earthly tent, your, your body is destroyed, your body is breaking down. Anybody have a body that is breaking down this morning? Okay? I got a newsflash for you. Every hand is eventually going to go up. I don't care what you do. I don't care how well you train. Your body is going to break down. And you're going to no longer be able to do what you do right now. You can delay that, but you cannot escape the inevitable. But he says this. You have an eternal house in heaven. He says, meanwhile, we groan and are burdened and we long for our heavenly dwelling. And then in verse 5, he says this. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. We talked about this last week, that it's the Holy Spirit that can turn our got-tos into get-tos. It's the Holy Spirit that can give us that perspective, that can give us eyes to see the big picture. The big picture, because Jesus rose, there's an eternity with him with him, where we'll be physically healed. I can't wait to see Evan walk and run someday. Wow, 
That gives me goosebumps thinking about that. I can't wait to see what it's going to be like to no longer be burdened by our sin nature. Wow, what is that going to be look like? Do you have a vision of that? Do you have a picture of that? Paul says this, therefore, verse 6, we are always confident. Always confident. That's hard for me to always be confident. Confident is literally with faith. And know that as long as we live at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. So there's a reality of the pain that we experience in this life. There's a reality of the challenges and a hope that is rooted in our eternal home with the Lord. And then verse 9, Paul says this, So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. We don't have to earn his love. Let me say that again. We, we can never earn his love. We please him. We make it our aim. We make it our goal to please him in response to his love. Wow. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So there's an accountability that we'll all face, not whether we're in or out or whether we've earned it, but in response to his love, what have you done with what God has given you? We will all give an account. And if you're here this morning, if you've never put your, taken that step of faith, you can do that today and simply say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's available to you today. But what Paul's talking about is here, how will your life be evaluated? What did you do with what God has given to you? And this verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. And was raised again. So our motivation is we want to please Jesus. We're going to stand before him and give an account. But we are compelled by his love. And I love that word compelled. I can't get it out of my mind because it does two things. It, it both it focuses us and it gives us energy. Kids, we've got a slide out here. It's not open yet. I've tested it. It's going to be great. Tested it this morning, and my body did not break. It's a good thing. I remember the very first year we did the slide, and, and, and we didn't have the panels quite right, and we had blood on the slide. That was a little rough. I had to wipe that up. The slide is it's perfectly safe now. It's all one smooth thing. It's going to be really fast and great. But that slide is a picture of compelled down the narrow chute, energy behind us. That's what life following Jesus 
can be like? Do you have a love that compels you to action? It's what God invites. That's the type of life God invites us to live in. But then finally, we have our message. So we have a mission, we have a motivation, and a message. And I'm simply going to sum it up at the end of verse 19, that God was reconciling himself, reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So our sin that separates us from God, we are now, when we put our faith and trust in Christ, we are reconciled. We are connected to him. We were once at war. Now we're in fellowship. Now we're in communion with the God of the universe. We are therefore Christ ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. What an opportunity we have to represent Christ, to look out into our world of brokenness, say, come and see, come join us. Practically, we got lots of opportunities for us to do that right now. All of our Christmas events, whether it's helping people grieve through a night of remembrance, whether it's the fun of the slide and an extravaganza for families, we have an opportunity to take that initial step and say, just come and see. Come join us. What an opportunity. As you look at your systems and you say, where is Jesus in all this? And then you say, Holy Spirit, show me the next right thing to do. Show me who it is that you're going to put on my heart that I can share the love of Jesus with this Christmas. Amen? Let's pray and prepare our hearts for communion. When we come to the communion table, we do have this beautiful picture of reconciliation. We see that where we were once separated from God through our sin because of the blood of Christ, when we put our faith and trust in Him, we are adopted into the family. And we remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, He gathered his disciples in the upper room, and after giving thanks, he broke the bread and gave it to him and said, this is my body given for you. Take it, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and said, this cup represents my blood, blood of the new covenant, blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Just as we receive the bread, we receive the cup. And here at Community Church, our table's open to all who put their faith and trust in him. Let me pray and then the table will be open. Father, we come to you this morning and we come in gratitude. We simply say thank you for your love. Thank you for a love that compels, a love that can comfort us, and a love that brings us into relationship with you. So we remember that and we simply say thank you. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Come now when you're ready. The table's open.